Friday, October 25th, and today on Sports BKC, sponsored by Big O Tires, we talk Wildcats with Kellis Robinette, Tigers with Sweetie Tirada, and Jayhawks with Jesse Newell. You might notice a new name in the lineup, and you'll get to know Sweetie Tirada, where he's from, where he's worked, even his favorite ginger ale. First up this week, Kansas State, which faces the remarkable opportunity or unenviable task of playing host to Oklahoma on Saturday. Words that have never been spoken. Kellis, welcome to the studio. Hey, how about that? I'm glad to be here. You are here because uh, it's obviously Friday, but we recorded this on Wednesday while you were uh, wrapping up Big 12 basketball media days at Sprint Center. You were kind enough to walk the four blocks from Sprint Center to the Star Office. We do appreciate that, Kellis. You um, just watched K-State win its first Big 12 football game of the season last week. I think a much-needed victory for the Wildcats after starting 0-2 in the league. Yeah, very much so. Um, Because of the way the schedule played out, they bizarrely, since they beat Mississippi State in week three and had everybody just super fired up about the Chris Kleiman era, they went by week, loss, loss, by week. It actually been more than a month since they won a game. Very bizarre scheduling there. Uh, a lot of enthusiasm had kind of been drained out of, you know, just everything around the program when you go that far, that long without a win. But they got it against TCU, and, yeah, it was very much needed. Um, not the prettiest win in the world. Only won 24-17 and had some tackling issues on some plays. But at the same time, when they absolutely had to win the game in the fourth quarter, they were the superior team. And, yeah, now they're 4-2 and two at the midway point of the season, probably back on track to make a bowl game. And now they'll, I guess, roll the dice and see if they can do something against Oklahoma. Hang with Oklahoma on on Saturday, an 11 a.m. kick. I think that game's on network TV, right? ABC. On ABC, uh, yep. You can get it uh, over the air with an antenna if you so choose. <laughs> what, what is that? I don't remember that. Um, uh, let's, let's go back, though, to last week's game just quickly. I, I, not since maybe an Army-Navy game have I seen you know, dueling quarterbacks run as hard. <laughs> As the you know, <laughs> as they did in the in the K State TCU game. Let's just talk about Skylar Thompson, um, the huge play at the end. I mean, that was the 61 yard run. And until that happened, I didn't realize K State didn't have a play from scrimmage longer than what maybe 30, 39 yards, something like that. It was the it was the longest play from scrimmage for K State this season. Right. Does the, it, listen? He had a, he had a terrific game and he led him to victory, and I was really happy for him. Um, but does this say something about – are they having issues on offense this year? Uh, the last few games they most definitely are, and there are plenty of reasons for that. You can say that Chris Kleiman's system just isn't exactly fitting with the players he inherited. It's He doesn't have the same kind of personality he had at North Dakota State where he had the biggest linemen, the biggest running backs, the best dual-threat tight ends that there were in FCS, and um, – When you have those kind of things, you can line up and just bully the other team out of the way and win the games. He doesn't quite have that much superior talent at Kansas State. He's playing with hybrid players that aren't quite up to the same standards, so it's not working quite as well. Obviously, they had to retool everything at running back. Um, They don't have Alex Barnes. They've actually been down a running back without Jordan Brown, and they've missed their top receiver, Malik Knowles. Without him, it's been very difficult for them to stretch the field. So when you take all those things away, there's not a whole lot of room left for big play potential. They've been trying to, you know, nickel and dime their way down the field. I think at one point um, during their losing streak – 
when they started Big Joe play 0-2, I believe they only had one play for over 30 yards combined in both games, and mm-hmm. it was a uh, kind of a fluky pass to a tight end on the sideline. Um, not something you can necessarily expect for all the time, but they actually did finally kind of snap out of that a little bit against TCU. They had a um, they converted like a third and 20, I believe, against TCU with a long pass to Malik Knowles. Skyler Thompson had his long run. Um, I believe they had six plays of over 20 yards in this game. So that's a big step in the right direction. And, yeah, they finally hit a home run with Skylar Thompson on the QB draw. And, you know, maybe they finally found something there. They really don't want to run Skylar Thompson uh, all that much, certainly not as much as Bill Snyder used to. Um, but they dipped back into that cabinet a little bit this week, and, and it worked. So, you know what, maybe that is something that they can, you know, back up a little bit and say, okay, maybe we do run them three or four times a game. And there, there may be some good news on Malik Knowles, uh, maybe more playing time this week? There could be. I, I think he's going to play the entire game. He was on a snap count last week. Um, he only played for part of the second half. Was not in there, I don't think at all in the first half. If it was, it was only at the bitter end. So this week, I think, unless he runs into like a hiccup or something, I think he should be available for every play against Oklahoma, which is great news for them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, against Oklahoma, um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure what the what the how you slow Oklahoma down. Their offense is terrific. Probably the best way to slow them down is to keep the ball as long as you possibly can. Uh, extend possessions, yeah. win time of possession, uh, dominate time of possession. It's a better Oklahoma defense than the teams that we have seen the previous couple years that have gotten to the college football playoff and lost in the semifinals with their Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. But this defense seems to be a little bit better. What, what's what's it going to take for K-State to, to stay in the game and have a chance at the, at the big upset? Well, short of half of Oklahoma's team coming down with food poisoning or something the night before the game, um, I'm not yeah, sure what it's going to take to have a legit shot in the fourth quarter. I think Oklahoma probably wins this game and covers the spread. I mean, not to – stranger things have happened. Uh, Illinois beat Wisconsin last week. I didn't see that. They did. That's right. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but – Georgia uh, lost at home earlier this year. Georgia did lose it on South Carolina. Um, I think if there is a way it happens, I think that Kansas State gets a cheap score on special teams. Jalen Hurts does some crazy things and turns the ball over. And then even on top of that, they probably do what Army did to Oklahoma last year and just eat up so much clock like you were talking about and just basically refuse to punt. Just gain three yards every single play, score touchdowns when they're in the end zone. And if all that comes together – then maybe they've got a shot late. Um, but, I mean, realistically, all they want to do is, you know, play decent, stay healthy, and move on. If In, in really. the third reference to Army, they played uh, Michigan an overtime game earlier this season. Army played, you know, <laughs> I, I, probably have, we've probably exhausted our Army <laughs> references. But uh, Well, they're coming to Manhattan in a few years. Yeah, so. that's right. That's right. Um, okay, Kellis, uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for visiting the palatious Kansas City Star McClatchy studio where podcast magic happens. And uh, when we return, we're going to introduce you to the new Missouri Beat Writer. When it comes to saving you money on tires, nobody does it better than Big O Tires. 
like saving you up to $120 on select sets of Goodyear, Yokohama, Pirelli, and Continental tires now through November 3rd. That's $70 off instantly, plus up to $50 back by mail-in rebate when you purchase using your Big O Tires card. Hurry into Big O Tires and see how much you can save. Big O Tires, the team you trust. For the location nearest you, go to BigOtires.com. I'm here with Missouri's new beat writer for the Kansas City Star, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. <laughs> Take it away. Yes, hello guys. My name is Suichi Tarada. I've gotten a few questions early on the beat on how to say my name, so that is it. Suichi Tarada. I don't think it's very hard. I think, you know, it's a unique name, very Japanese, so yeah. I think once you hear it, yeah. Suichi Tarada, it's, it's good. You're good think, to go. Yeah, I think the first time people see it, people are like, how do I say this? But once phonetically they hear it, they're like, oh, wait, that makes sense. Seven letters, three syllables. Yeah, nice and easy. <laughs> And as I said, you're the new Missouri beat writer replacing Alex Schiffer, who's off to uh, Brooklyn to cover the Nets. Good for for Alex. Uh, but, Sweetie, welcome to Kansas City. Thank you. It's Appreciate great to it. have you here. Uh, you have worked in uh, at several newspapers. You are very young uh, <laughs> to have done this. So uh, I think it's pretty neat. The most recent newspaper was Minneapolis Star Tribune. Yes, uh, great paper, great city. I'm from Michigan. So my joke there was that I went from the Great Lakes state to the 10th lake, uh, to the state <laughs> or land of 10,000 lakes. Right. So the culture was similar, great place. I was only there during the summer. So don't comment to me about the winter. I know, I know the winters are bad in the Midwest. I think it'll be a little bit nicer here. So I'm pretty excited for it. But yeah, I mean, I've known snow all in my life, so. And uh, prior to that, I believe you had stops at the Free Press in Detroit and the Tennessean internship jobs? Yeah, so what was cool about the Tennessean was that I actually got to see some of my former co-workers in Nashville my first day in the Vanderbilt game. Um, some fans were mad at me because... Oh, we're going we're to get lost. to that Vanderbilt game in just a sec. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I was in Nashville last year. It was very hot. I think being in that 100 degrees weather, 100 degree humidity kind of convinced me that the South wasn't really for me, but still really like, enjoyed the city. Uh, APC was there. That's why actually where I met Jeff Rosen, our current boss now. Um, yeah, and then I was at the Free Press last fall doing a lot of internship stuff with the beat writer there covering football a little bit of basketball so yeah i mean both of those places are incredible papers really enjoyed the experience there learned a lot so yeah and your first assignment for the star <laughs> was a road game a game for the for the football team in which uh, the tigers were a 21 point favorite i think it, i think it went off as a 21 point favorite at vanderbilt i was uh, and as many people who follow college football were looking forward to games beyond the Vanderbilt game <laughs> for Missouri and thinking that they had had their stumble loss already uh, at Wyoming to open the season, but they found a way to stumble yet again. I will ask you, I, I know you haven't covered the team at all, but <laughs> you did. You were there, you were a witness to this 20, 21-14 loss for the Tigers what kind of general impressions did you have? What do these guys need to do better than what we saw on Saturday night? Well, first and foremost, I just want to say it looked a lot like a Big Ten game. I think the first four drives had three three and outs and one first down or something. I think I tweeted something like that. Um, being from Michigan State, watching a lot of those ugly, low-scoring games kind of remind me of home a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for the game itself, though, I was a little surprised just to see how... It, it, it seemed like the Missouri offense didn't really have a rhythm going. Kelly Bryan was scrambling a lot. I mean, he held the ball. It, it, it seemed like the offensive line was giving him decent pass protection, but he held the ball too long. You know, he he didn't really he wasn't really sure if it was because the receivers weren't open or if he 
just mistimed the routes or anything like that. So, yeah, that offense looked rough. The defense is hard to say. I mean, they did allow Vanderbilt to bleed the last six minutes, but at the same time, 21 points isn't that that should win you games, especially how, with how that offense was going. So, overall, it, it looked very sloppy. It, it seemed like a team that really... I'm not sure how to put it. It just seemed like they should have won that game, but they just didn't. It was kind of an inexplicable loss. A lot of fans have told me a lot of disappointing stories from over the years. <laughs> I mean, look no further than Kentucky from last year, next week's opponent. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I will say that as, as someone who's new to the beat, you will hear many stories <laughs> about the tales of woe of, of Missouri athletics. I will caution you to... Make up your own mind about the Tigers, <laughs> but you did start with a, like I said, a big upset loss. Well, how was Barry Odom after the game? What, what were some of his thoughts? I think the main theme from Barry Odom was that he was simply outcoached and the Tigers were outplayed. And I think that's a little bit surprising. I know a lot of fans were disappointed by those remarks in terms of one, the loss, but at the same time, you shouldn't be getting outplayed or outcoached by one, what was a one in five Vanderbilt team. I mean. Vanderbilt lost by, I think, two or three possessions possessions to UNLV the week before. I mean, that's it, it, it's hard. I think from a college football context, you know, upsets happen. I mean, Wisconsin literally lost to Illinois earlier that day when that happened. But the more you dig into that loss, the more you see how really awful Vanderbilt was earlier in that season. It it doesn't it, it makes the blow a little bit harder. And I and I totally do agree with Tigers fans that. That was a really bad loss. But once again, college football, you're dealing with a lot of college students, people right around my age. I'm a very volatile person. I totally understand, you know. I totally understand a bad day. Like, that's just human nature, I think, especially when you're that young. And in terms of what's left for Missouri, what's out there for Missouri, this the loss doesn't change anything. They still control <laughs> yeah. their, their fate, really. If they continue to – if they win, if they beat Kentucky, as you mentioned their opponent on Saturday, puts them back on track, and then they yeah. have the, the, the two-game – you know, uh, two games set against the the, the sort of the, the favorites in the East. Florida would be first uh, at at Columbia. Then I believe a week off, and, and then Georgia. Uh, I believe Georgia is after that bye week. Okay, the second. Right, right. Then, so yeah. it's so it's at Kentucky, Florida at home, bye week, Georgia. No, I think it goes Kentucky bye week, Georgia, then Florida. I Got, oh, okay. I, I apologize. I believe, yeah, because it's three straight I, road games for the Tigers. I, um, should, I should have it in front of me, and I, and, and I don't. <laughs> I apologize. But anyway, everything. The point is, it's still out in front of them because of the South Carolina victory over Georgia. Yeah. Uh, Florida's loss to LSU. Yeah. Nobody in the in the division, uh, you know, is perfect in, in, in the conference, nobody in the East, which I thought, gosh, Missouri looks, it looks so good to see Missouri <laughs> at 2-0 and atop that division after beating Ole Miss the previous week and the only team that was undefeated in division play. Yeah, I mean, by all means, by every metric, Missouri still controls its own destiny, and I think that means a lot. Personally speaking, I think before the game, I heard some chatter on Twitter, or on talk radios or whatever, that Missouri, they were kind of mapping out how, how they did, like they could afford a loss here. Personally, I think that's a loser's mentality. I think every week you should try and go out and win. I think when if you're trying to win the SEC East, even when you were undefeated at 2-0, you should still think, hey, let's go 8-0 in this conference. Let's go undefeated the rest of the way. I think I think the scenarios where, oh yeah, if we have a three team, you know, if it's a three team tie or a tie based on specific matchups or records or rules or something like that, I think you're looking at it as you're expecting a loss and that's not how a division champion should be, especially in a conference like the SEC East. Um, so yeah, I, I think, like I mentioned, like they still control their own destiny. There's still a long way to go in the season. I mean, Barry Odom kind of mentioned it himself. They're five and two. 
just a win away from the bowl game, you know, obviously with a big asterisk about the NCAA appeal. But at the same time, they still very much so control their own future, and that that goes a long way this late in the season. No doubt about it. Uh, and you're at the at the doorstep of basketball season as well. <laughs> yeah, SEC yes, days so last close. Week. Yeah, and we we saw that Missouri was was picked, um, I think, 13th out of 14 teams yes. in the, in the uh, preseason poll, and yet. They got 13 votes in the in the preseason AP poll, which I yeah. thought was really interesting. Yes, I believe they were ranked number 13 on one person's poll, which is why. <laughs> for some reason, that number 13 in the polls just keep coming up from Missouri. But, <laughs> right. I mean, I guess the Tigers fans won't complain. Hey, it was cra- crazy to see that. <laughs> no, no, that's right. That's You get some recognition there. So, all right. So, you are um, you're from Detroit. Uh, the tri- Metro Detroit. So, I won't say I'm from Detroit because people actually from Detroit will get mad, but uh, I will rep the city out of the state because everyone kind of, you know, makes fun of Detroit a little bit. So, I'll definitely try to rep Eminem and everything like that. Okay. Well, are, you, are you Detroit enough to like uh, Coney's? Yes, yes, yes. I haven't done the um, the famous stores back to back just because, uh, especially the past four years at Michigan State, I haven't been able to. But right. yes, I mean I've had my fair share of Coney's All in right. my life to say the least. And Verner's? How about where do you? Oh, Verner's, Verner's is amazing. I'm so glad you know about Verner's. Oh. Nobody outside the state really or outside the Midwest, um, in like the media Michigan area, knows what Verner's is. Um, for those of you who don't know, that is a Detroit, Michigan made. Ginger ale, it is delicious. It is so strong. Uh, if you don't like ginger ale, you won't like it. But it's so strong that if you're just drinking it, like <laughs> the fumes will kind of get up in your nose <laughs> and you start coughing. I love that person. It is. It's a strong yeah. ginger ale, basically. It's, it's delicious. It, it's, when you're sick and you know the whole ginger ale thing, Verner's is the way to go. I probably should have brought actually like a couple of those over here, but maybe I'll have my parents ship them out to me. There you go. <laughs> all right, Sweetie, great talking to you, yes, and we really well. look forward to spending time with you. Every week, uh, uh, talking Missouri Tigers athletics. Yes, thank you, boy. It should be a uh, fun football season, hopefully a uh, good basketball season for the Tigers fans. Sounds good. When we return, Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas, will join us to talk about the Jayhawks. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. So, Jesse, I am driving back from Denver Saturday, and I have to listen to the – I'm listening to college football on the way back. It was great, actually. To, you got games on throughout the day. And um, I, I get to the KU-Texas game, and I've got uh, Brian Haney, and David Lawrence on one station and Craig Way and the Texas guys on an, on the satellite radio. So I'm going back and forth. And um, I told this to Brian and David that I thought that they kept their composure pretty well in a in, in, a, in a game that could have been one of the biggest victories in Kansas, maybe Kansas football history. That could have been a top 10 type of victory. Turns out Kansas loses the game 50 to 48 to Texas on Saturday night. But my gosh, what a um, what a performance! And I, I don't know. Uh, let's let, let's start with 
let's start with Brett Deerman because that's uh, that's that's the the X factor here, right? He was um, not offensive coordinator before the Texas game, becomes the offensive coordinator, and they go down and put forty eight on Texas in a what ends up being a gut wrenching loss the way it happened. But I don't know. It's just sometimes we all dismiss moral victories in, in, in our business. Just We just kind of think they're silly. But in this case, I think Kansas left there feeling okay. Absolutely. Well, when we talk about the composure of Brian and David, uh, just really quickly, I'll mention this in the press box, how it's set up, is that I was sitting like right in front of them with glass between us. They kept their composure as I kept looking back up at them. In like, disbelief. What is going on here, guys? Kansas is about to be Texas here in Austin, which has happened exactly zero times in Kansas history is something else we want to point out because um, unlike Kansas State or Missouri or Colorado, these are not two teams that go back in the Big Six and the Big Eight. And this is These are two Big 12 teams, so Kansas has never won in Austin. But, yes, you start do start with Brent Dearman and – how much can one guy have an impact in you know a week or two weeks? Uh, you know, KU had the bye the last week when he became offensive coordinator, and you start to kind of wonder, hey, how, how much can he impact a game? Well, the one game that he was kind of credited early in the season, KU scored 48 on the road against Boston College, and the next game when he's offensive coordinator against Texas, KU scores 48 on the road against Texas. It just completely changes your mindset about what's possible for this team. And um, I think you kind of look at this team separately right now, both offensively and defensively. For offense, they have some skill position talent. They've got Carter Stanley playing well at quarterback and Puka Williams who can make guys miss. And then they've got some talented receivers and Andrew Parchment and Stephon Robinson. So uh, it, with the right guys in the right places, they can score some points. Defensively, I really just feel like they probably are a couple bodies away. They probably need to go to work in recruiting. And when Drew Prox, the linebacker, went down with a shoulder injury, uh, that really hamstrung them because they had to turn to Gavin Potter, a true freshman who's trying his darndest, and I think he's going to be a great player by his third or fourth year. But right now, it's a lot to ask for him to go up against offensive linemen for both Oklahoma and Texas in back-to-back weeks as a true freshman. So this still gives you a different mindset for Kansas, which is like, hey, if you score 40-plus points every week, you're going to have a chance against a lot of Big 12 opponents, and it makes the next two games very interesting because home games against Texas Tech and Kansas State, you start to squint a little bit and say, hey, if this goes right for Kansas or that goes right for Kansas, they might be able to win one of these games. Yeah, we talked about offense and defense, but as I look back on the game, there was a special teams issue that probably also related to the lack of depth uh, when Kansas allowed an extra point to be blocked. So instead of Correct me if I'm wrong. They would have tied the game with the extra point. Yes, at 31. At 31. Instead, that extra point gets blocked, and and the the ball bounces favorably. Texas takes it back the length of the field for a two-point conversion. Yeah, so instead of 31-31, it becomes 33-30. Not to mention, right before the end of the first half, KU had driven down the field, had a little bit of momentum, tried a field goal. It also got blocked. So there's three more points you put on the board. Not to mention that uh, I, Liam Jones, the kicker, who's been great at touchbacks this year, uh, he had three kickoffs sail out of bounds, which, again, adds to this as well. And I don't want to put all this on Liam Jones either because it sure seemed like, you know, Texas coming in has a very good special team. It seemed like they were trying to directionally kick you know what I'm saying? Like trying to put this thing between the numbers and the sideline. And that's what we talked to Liam Jones on Tuesday. He spoke about that. But if I'm being completely honest, when you're trying to kick that ball really hard down the field, it's tough to position it in a spot. So uh, I don't want to just say, hell, Liam Jones, you know, bad Liam Jones, that sort of thing. I think it was kind of a philosophical thing, too. Like if you're trying to put this ball in a 
10 yard area and you're having <laughs> yes. the guy try to kick it really far. I mean, that, that seems to me like partly a, a coaching mindset thing as well. So uh, a lot of errors for Kansas and the special teams. They've been really bad, honestly, the last three weeks of special teams. But I think this just goes to show you too, Blair. I mean, so the defense had a couple turnovers forced. Had a couple fourth down stops, but other than that, didn't do much against Texas. Texas is a good offense. Uh, special teams basically got a straight F in my grades. Throughout all that, we're talking about a Kansas team that's up one with a minute 11 left. So it just goes to show you that as as poorly as those two units played at certain times, this Kansas offense was so overwhelmingly good and played so overwhelmingly well that it gave them a chance to uh, win a game on the road as a three-touchdown underdog. So that's the hope for Kansas moving forward is, hey, they got some problems. They've got some issues. They've got some things that might not be able to be solved this year, but if these offensive guys can get in the right spots and Brent Deerman can lead them and have the same sort of success he's had you know, in these two games that we've talked about, or at least in the last game that we've talked about, then He's got a shot. They've got a puncher's chance. What was uh, Les Miles' deal with the clock? Yeah, good question. It's uh, it's kind of gone viral a little bit here. So in the last minute 11, for people who didn't watch the game, KU was up 48-47. KU goes for a two-point conversion to basically take the lead, and they get it. And First of all, let's stop there. I, I was wondering when they scored, would they do that? You know, Of course, in hindsight, you love that they did it. If they, if they hadn't converted, I don't know how it would people would have felt. Uh, so the TV cameras caught Brent Deerman and Les Miles talking on the sideline. I think Brent Deerman sort of said, hey, got a play for this. It ended up being a play because Daylon Charlotte was wide, wide open, open in, in the, the back, end zone. back of the end zone. Um, and I, I think there was some trickery that went on there. I mean, it's probably too much to get into in a podcast, but basically um, a Texas defender had gotten burned very badly by one of KU's receivers who hadn't played many snaps. That receiver went back on the field against that same Texas defender and instead of running a slant this time, he ran it out, and three Texas defenders followed that guy who had just uh, made uh, a an embarrassment of the, the, you know him on the previous play. So, an uh, interesting play call in that regard. But uh, yeah, Kansas goes for two. I think, and I know it's it's easy to hindsight this and say, you know, of course I would say it's the right call because they got it. But I think when you're a three touchdown underdog, you go for it so I, on I, the road. I, I, yeah, on the yeah. road, and I, to go for the win, I think it was the right call in overtime, whenever it was, KU's going to have to stop Texas at some point. Taking your chance of stopping them with a minute 11 left and having them no points, I mean, that's probably your best chance there. And not to mention, um, for Kansas, I mean, let's be honest, it's sort of like we've talked about the Chiefs under Vermeil and Andy Reid. Who do you want to determine the game, your offense or your defense? Yep. For that game, you wanted Kansas's offense to determine the game. So I thought good call, fluid play call. I promise you, Blair, even though people won't believe me, I would have said that whether they got it or not because I think that was the right mindset to have in this game. And all the players on the sideline wanted him to go too as well. But okay, minute, we minute, go 11, minute left. 11 left. So two different plays. Um, what had happened is, as we know in college football, once you get the first down, clock stops, chains get set, official winds the clock. In the NFL, obviously, the clock continues to run. Two instances, one seemed more blatant than the other, where Texas gets a first down in the middle of the field, clock stops, and then basically the clock does not start running for a long, long period of time. Now, one of them, it seems like maybe KU lost a second or two. I mean, it just maybe, maybe the ball was spotted a little bit slow. There was one, though, with I believe it was 34 seconds left where um, Sam Ellinger runs for a first down. He falls in the middle of the field. It's a first down. They stop the clock. They start it back up again. He's trying to rush the play call to everybody to do what they need to do. The clock does not start until the ball is snapped, which to me, again, could it have been very slow spotting by the officials? It could have been. Um, but 
regardless. If you're Kansas, the objective here is to tackle these guys in the middle of the field, even if they get the first down, to run some clock. And on this play, the clock did not start until the snap. So, I mean, I, I asked Les Miles about this during his Monday press conference. I was not expecting a response, to be completely honest with you, because, um, you know, it's wandering under the bridge, then they've already lost the game. And to, to again, to be honest with you guys, Les Miles has not been the most forthcoming about a lot of different topics we've asked him about. And so I said, hey, it seemed like the clock might not have started a couple instances um, late in the game correctly. Sometimes you can turn this into the conference. Is that something you guys are planning on doing? And he goes, absolutely. And I mean, just definitively says, yes, I've been in conferences where it seems like the timekeeper at home, it it's a, kind of benefits the team no matter which way it goes. But yes, we'll see what they say, but absolutely have turned that in. And I mean, I, I, it would have been funny to see him looking at my face. because I was just shocked that he was coming out that adamantly because you know in that moment that, um, especially because it's Texas, especially because it's a Big 12 game, that that's going to be a big story that Les Miles is basically saying, yeah, we want the Big 12 to look at that because we feel like the end of this game might have been manipulated. Now, again, worst case scenario, maybe, what is it, five or six seconds? That doesn't seem like much. It seems like, okay, you roll your eyes, whatever. But there was a play. Texas ran a play with eight seconds left that gained six yards on the sideline. And so we're talking about, let's say it's just five seconds. Texas can't run that play. I I couldn't believe they ran that play. I know. I was surprised, too. And Kansas didn't really guard it that well. They should have had more outside leverage to keep those guys away from the sideline Mm -hmm. and then rally for a tackle in the middle. I mean, if they want to throw it down the middle and try to score a touchdown on that play and you tackle them and the time runs out, then by all means. Yeah, by all means. But um, Texas gained six yards. So I guess all I'm saying is that a 33-yard field goal, you know, in college, it's not a sure thing. But... Uh, you know, he made it, and that's a good thing. But a 39-yard field goal, you start to kind of mm-hmm. wonder a little bit. If you're the kicker, um, it's a little bit less of a chip shot. So for Kansas, if nothing else, it might have kind of had that effect on it. But uh, like I said, it's wandering the bridge now. They're not going to reverse the result. But we'll see if the Big 12 comes out or Les Miles comes out and says anything about what the Big 12 says about this. Well, you mentioned it earlier. They have Texas Tech on Saturday. And I remember after the Coastal Carolina loss thinking that Kansas – would probably not be a single-digit favorite in in any if if any not underdog. any un, underdog yeah yes. uh, underdog I'm sorry in in any remaining game except for maybe Tech um, and but Tech has had some nice moments this year took Baylor to overtime in a loss um, uh, I, I think look I, I think Tech has the right coach in in Matt Wells but this does seem like a legit victory opportunity for Kansas. Not because of, not not so, not only because the opponent is, you know, we think of as a bottom half of the league team, but because Kansas actually seems to have the ability to do this. Yeah, it's hard to determine what Brent Nierman means because the line here opened at like eight and a half, and within a day it was down to three and a half. So to me, it's almost like Vegas, again, the number one rule of sports betting. And I say this every week is to not overreact to the previous week. But yet, what Brent Deerman has done seems, at least in this week, sustainable. I mean, you've seen two flashes of this for Kansas, and they both ended up as 48 points in road games. So maybe a coach can make six points worth of difference, which is what Vegas is basically telling us. And I think it speaks to a greater point, Blair, which you talked about. Hey, no moral victories, all that stuff. I mean, I know people say that, and is going to be judged by its final record at the end of the season. I get all that. But, like, this is a program that has gone many years where in Big 12 play they had no games where they were single-digit underdogs. 
This week, they're depending on the book, three and a half, four and a half point underdogs in this game. This program has made a touchdown worth of improvement in, in a year. So, I mean, let's give credit where it's due right now. You know, Les Miles, Brent Deerman, the coaching staff, the players, whatever you want to say. Um, it, it's a little bit tougher to look in terms of a program and say, hey, this program moved from 100th to 80th. You know what I mean? Like, that's a tough thing to, be, to, to kind of quantify because you're probably going to win two or three games either way. But I think this team has taken that step this year. They legitimately have gone from the worst Power 5 program to not close to that right now and a team that can be competitive in a Big 12 game this week. So you're right, Blair. It's an opportunity. They're still an underdog. They're still probably Vegas, you know, 30% to win this game. But this is the best shot they've got the rest of the way. So if they put a go out there and play their A-minus game or B game or have a couple good breaks go their way, then this could be a homecoming win for the Jayhawks. And that would be a very significant deal for this football program, which, again, seems to be taking the correct strides. But uh, with a win, I think everybody then could see it. All right, Jesse, thanks for stopping by. All right, thanks, Blair. Links to the best coverage of Kansas State, Mizzou, and KU can be found on kansascity.com, and some of the stories we discussed are in the show notes. This is the point in the podcast where we thank our producers, Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra, and of course, thanks for today's efforts. But a special shout-out goes to Kathy. Today's her last day producing Sportsbeat KC. We did our first show together in April, and we've numbered more than 100 episodes since then. The success we've experienced is a direct reflection of her dedication. Kathy, you will be missed by no one more than me. We'll be back on Monday for another week of Sportsbeat KC, talking sports in Kansas City.